Book Six, Chapters Nine through Twelve of Of the Love of God by Saint Francis de Sales, translated by H. L. Sidney Lear. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book Six, The Practice of Holy Love in Prayer and Meditation, Chapter Nine, How to Attain This Blessed Repose who has not seen a hungry infant clinging with an almost painful tenacity to its mother's breast and then its appetite satisfied closing its eyes and falling asleep while yet mechanically sucking unconsciously imbibing her milk and yet while unconscious ready to wake up and cry were the grateful flow checked just so with the soul hushed in rest before god almost unconsciously it sucks in the sweetness of that presence without any mental process only the will is alive and serves so to say as a mouth whereby that sweetness is received and if aught disturbs that soul all asleep as it seems it is evident that it is not asleep to such interruption which it keenly resents this is saint teresa's similitude what indeed can disturb the soul which is recollected in its god surely it has good reason to be at rest for it has found that which it seeks i found him whom my soul loveth i held him and would not let him go canticle chapter three verse four no need to exercise the understanding it beholds the bridegroom present and all words are superfluous even if the understanding sees him not the soul is at rest realizing his presence by the sweetness it imparts our lady did not see her divine child before his birth but she felt him in her womb and rejoiced saint elizabeth rejoiced in that same presence at the visitation without seeing him neither does the soul need any effort of memory for its beloved is present nor of imagination for who wants to represent that which it actually enjoys and so the will only is active sucking as it were the milk of that gracious presence all else in the soul being stilled by the sweetness of that delight men use a mixture of honey and wine to lure bees to their hive and also to quiet them when any excitement prevails therein if they get excited the scent of such a mixture stills them and they are soothed by the luscious food oh my god when thy gracious presence fills man's heart with sweet perfumes sweeter far than honey and wine then every faculty of his soul is hushed in a grateful repose lulled so utterly to rest that no power save that of the will is awake and that is unconsciously absorbed in the inconceivable bliss of its present god chapter ten the different degrees of this quietude and how to maintain it some minds are active fertile 
brimming over with thoughts. Others are plastic and impressionable, prone to self-dissection, continually taking the measure of their own progress. Others, again, are not content being satisfied unless they can continually taste and finger, so as to say their satisfaction. Like one who was not content to be well armed against the cold unless he knew exactly how many coverings he bore, or who could not rest knowing himself to be rich unless he could reckon the precise number of pieces of money he possessed. Now all such as these are wont to be uneasy in their meditation, for if God vouchsafes them the blessed rest of his presence, they are ready to forsake it in order to investigate how they are using it, whether they are really satisfied, whether their tranquillity is tranquil, and the like. So that instead of surrendering their will to the sweetness of the divine presence, they employ their minds in weighing feelings, as though a bride trifled with her wedding ring, instead of devoting herself to the husband who gave it her. There is a wide difference between being occupied with God who satisfies us, and trifling with the satisfaction he bestows. The soul then to which God gives a holy loving quietude in prayer should abstain as far as may be from inspecting self or that rest which is in danger of being lost by overmuch contemplation and the true way of prizing it is not to pay too much heed to it the babe which has turned from its mother's breast to see where it abides is in haste to lay its head again on that pillow and so if we find that curiosity to know what progress we make in prayer has disturbed us, the safest course is to turn back quietly to God's presence and seek to rest therein once more. There is no fear, however, of losing that holy quietude by such activity, mental or bodily, as does not spring from carelessness or indiscretion. St. Teresa says that it is mere superstition to be afraid of any physical movement as likely to disturb it, for God, who gives this peace, will not take it away because of unavoidable movements or because of involuntary distractions, and when once the will is firmly set to seek God's presence, it will enjoy his sweetness even if the memory or understanding should wander. Of course, the soul's peace is not so entire as if these were at one with the will, but still there is a very real spiritual peace when the will, which is ruler of all other faculties, is at rest. I have seen a soul very really united to God which nevertheless had both memory and understanding fully alive and clear to surrounding circumstances, although unable to let go its hold upon God through the will, and that to such an extent that any effort to loosen this hold produced lamentation, like to a babe torn from the breast. 
but unquestionably the soul's peace would be greater and sweeter if there were no disturbance mental or bodily presented to it its longing is to be wholly engrossed by the divine presence but when inevitably distracted as to the other faculties at all events the will remains at peace observe too that the will is not even roused to recall the other wandering faculties for were it to be so roused it would lose its own peace and run the risk of distraction from its true aim while pursuing those uncertain powers nor can they ever be so profitably recalled to duty as by the perseverance of the will in holy quietude for gradually all the faculties become enthralled by the pleasure which the will receives in this loving rest a pleasure which it imparts to the whole being attracting it to share that delight chapter eleven self-abnegation in this matter thus we see that holy quietude may be of different degrees sometimes in all the faculties united to the will sometimes in the will only and in it either sensibly or imperceptibly the soul one time enjoying an inexpressibly sweet interior sense of god's presence as saint elizabeth in the visitation at another an intensely blessed craving for god like the disciples at emmaus who only recognized the lord's presence in the breaking of bread sometimes the soul does not merely perceive god's presence but hears him speak through certain interior lights which take the place of words another time it feels him speaking and answers again so secretly so gently that its peace is nowise broken so that without waking it watches like the bride in the canticles and again at times it hears the bridegroom speaking but is kept silent itself by very joy and reverence or by an exhaustion which leaves it power only to hear not to speak as one who is feeble with illness or just falling asleep again sometimes the soul neither hears nor speaks to nor has any conscious sign of the beloved but simply realizes that it is in god's presence and that he wills it so to be supposing saint john to have slept in actual physical slumber on his dear lord's breast at supper and by his command surely he had then been in his master's presence without feeling conscious of it in any way observe too that we need more care in order to place ourselves in god's presence than to abide there when once so placed because thought and actual attention are needed as i have already said to place ourselves in his presence but once in it we maintain the position by various means through the understanding or will by doing something in or for god by gazing on him or on something for love of him hearing him or those who speak on his behalf 
speaking to him or his representatives, doing somewhat for his honor and service. And by these means we abide in God's presence, not merely listening, watching, or speaking to him, but waiting till he may vouchsafe to look upon or speak to us, or it may be simply abiding where he would have us, because it is his will. And if to such abiding he vouchsafes to add some conscious feeling that we are his and he is ours, great and precious indeed is the gift. Let us indulge in a passing illustration. Suppose some statue in a royal gallery to be gifted with understanding, and to be asked, Wherefore art thou in this niche? It would reply, Because my master placed me here. Wherefore abidest thou passively there? Because my master put me here, not to do anything, but to stand passive. And did the questioner proceed to ask, Alas, poor statue, what good is it to thee thus to dwell? It would surely answer, I am not here on my own behalf, but in obedience to the will of my Maker and Master, and that is enough. But thou beholdest him not, how then canst thou take pleasure in serving him? I see him not, the answer would be, for my eyes are not given to see nor my feet to walk, but I am well content to know that my dear Lord sees me where I am and is satisfied. Did we press the matter yet a little further and ask, Wouldst not thou fain be able to walk towards thy Maker and do him worthier service? Doubtless the statue would reply that it wished for naught save what its master willed. Askest thou then nothing save to be a motionless statue in thy niche? And the statue would say, I desire naught save to be a statue, and abide in my niche, so long as the sculptor wills it so. It contents me wholly, inasmuch as it contents him whose I am, and who made me what I am. Verily, it is a blessed way of abiding in God's presence, and thereby, come what may, we are safe to be ever most really in it, even in sleep. For if we love him, we fall asleep not merely in his sight, but at his will. And our Creator and Divine Sculptor lays us down upon our beds as a statue in its niche, or a bird in its nest, and waking, we shall find that God was ever present, and that we have been neither removed nor separated from him. We were present to his holy will and pleasure, though without our own consciousness, so that we may say with Jacob, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. Genesis chapter 28 verse 16 and this quietude wherein the will acts merely by simple acquiescence in God's good pleasure is very excellent, inasmuch as it is totally disinterested, because neither the faculties nor the will seek any satisfaction therein, 
save in entire and absolute submission to god in whom they find total rest the very climax of a loving ecstasy is to merge the will not in one's own content but in that of god not to find contentment in one's own will but in the will of god chapter twelve how the soul flows into god fluids readily accept the limits assigned them inasmuch as they have no solidity or firmness wherewith to create a limit for themselves pour water into a vessel and it will assume the limits of that vessel being neither round nor square itself but according to the shape of the vessel it is not thus with the soul naturally for it has its own form and natural measure the first comes from its habits and inclinations the latter from its will and when it cleaves persistently to its likings and will we call it hard that is to say obstinate i will take away the stony heart out of your flesh god says ezekiel chapter thirty six verse twenty six that is i will remove your obstinacy to change the form of stone iron or wood we need the help of axe hammer and fire and so the epithet of iron or stony or wooden heart is given to him who does not willingly receive divine inspirations but cleaves to his own will and to the inclinations of a depraved nature on the contrary a gentle tractable heart we call a melting heart david speaking typically of our lord upon the cross says my heart in the midst of my body is like melting wax psalm twenty two verse fourteen cleopatra striving to exceed mark antony in the lavishness of her banquet threw a pearl earring valued at a mighty price into a vessel of vinegar to dissolve and swallowed it proceeding to deal after the same fashion with its fellow had not lucius plautus hindered her the heart of the saviour the pearl of priceless value cast as it was into an ocean of incomparable bitterness in his passion was voluntarily melted and flowed away in a stream of grief beneath his mortal anguish but love which is stronger than death softens and melts the heart sooner than aught beside the bride in the canticles says that her soul melted within her when she heard the bridegroom's voice and what was that melting save that she was no longer self-contained but flowed out to her divine lover god bade moses speak unto the rock and it should bring forth water so no wonder if he melted the soul of her who loved him with the sweetness of his words balm is naturally so thick that it does not flow and by dint of keeping it will become hard and transparent but heat melts and liquefies it and so with love even as the bride says thy name is as ointment poured forth canticle chapter one verse two 
moreover she herself melted with very love my soul melted when he spake canical chapter five verse six love of the bridegroom was in her breast like new wine in a vessel bursting forth by reason of its vehemence thy love is better than wine as ointment poured forth each flowed into the heart of the other when the sun's rays fall upon a polished blade it seems to lose its form and melt into that dazzling brilliancy and so the soul of the bride melts into that of the bridegroom when she hears his voice and is drawn wholly into him how does this outpouring of the soul into the beloved take place a lover's intense delight in the object of his love produces a certain spiritual powerlessness which deprives the soul of any self-restraint and therefore like melted balm it flows into him it loves it is not casting itself in or pressing up to him but a gentle outpouring into the divine being who is its sole delight even as the clouds which rise up on the south wind can no longer contain themselves but fall on the earth in rain and mingle with the earth into which they sink until they are lost in it so the soul flows forth in this holy outpour and loses itself not merely by union with the beloved but by being utterly mingled with and merged in him thus the flowing forth of the soul to god is practically an ecstasy by means of which it is carried wholly beyond its natural limits by which it is swallowed up and absorbed in god and therefore those who have attained to so great a height of sacred love on coming to themselves again finding nothing to satisfy them on earth seem to hang to it by a mere thread and cry out perpetually with saint teresa that which is not god is nothing to me such as this was the passionate love of saint paul when he exclaimed i live yet not i but christ liveth in me galatians chapter 2 verse 20 our life is hid with christ in god colossians chapter 3 verse 3 supposing a single drop of rain to be thrown into an ocean of distilled water and to be able to speak we could fancy it crying out verily i live but not in myself but it is this ocean which lives in me and my life is hidden in its abyss the soul which has flowed into god dies not how could it die when swallowed up of life but it lives not as of itself for even as the stars do not shine in the presence of the sun albeit they retain their light and that because it comes from the sun and is hidden by the sun's greater light so the soul yet lives but only as flowing into god so that god lives in it this doubtless was what those saintly men philip neary and francis saviour meant when literally overwhelmed by the sweetness of heavenly bliss 
they entreated god to hold his hand if he willed them yet the while to live in the world for verily their life seemed well nigh hidden and swallowed up in god end of book six chapter twelve